It is uh, 6.30. Three and a half hours ago, in Jerusalem, not quite 2,000 years ago, Jesus was taken down from the cross three and a half hours ago. He was hung on the cross at nine in the morning. He stayed on the cross that first Good Friday for six hours, the better part of a full day. And just three and a half hours ago, as we are gathered here tonight, Jesus was taken down. He had died. The cross of Jesus Christ on that Good Friday is the most horrible thing that has ever happened. And the most wonderful thing that ever happened at the same time. That Jesus, who lived a perfect life, the only one who has ever lived a, a, a perfect life, was publicly murdered in the most appalling way, crucifixion. Yet God, in his sovereignty, in that dark moment, chose it to be the one moment, ordained it to be the one moment that would restore all the horrific things sin has done to the world. You see, in the death of Jesus Christ, sin and death died. And what looked like the end was really the beginning. So the paradigm of all paradigms isn't action-reaction or action-consequence or hundreds of others. The ultimate universal paradigm, the cosmic paradigm, is death-resurrection. We see it every spring. Winter gives way to spring. Spring gives way to summer. And all that's just a, a pointer to the ultimate Good Friday, Easter Sunday. Now tonight, because it's Good Friday, our focus is on the death of Christ. And so I want to read from one of the gospel accounts, the gospel of Mark. And if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn with me. I'm going to read tonight from Mark chapter 15. And here, as we read this section from the Gospels, I'm going to read just a couple of paragraphs, just a few verses. And so I will start in Mark chapter 15 and verse 33. At the sixth hour, again, that would be three in the afternoon, uh, darkness came, I'm sorry, that would be noon, uh, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Elo, Eloi, lama sabachthani which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling for Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. 
Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Now, over and over, the Old Testament points to, foreshadows, uh, prefigures this. The death of Christ for sins. Uh, so way back, at the beginning of human history, uh, we read, he will crush your head, but you will strike his heel. Uh, then uh, a little later in the story of Noah, uh, the human race is saved in an ark. Je the ark prefigures Jesus. Abraham almost sacrifices a son, Isaac, and there's a ram that is the substitute. The ram prefigures Jesus Christ. All, all, all the animals, all the sacrificial system, for that matter, the temple, the tabernacle, all point to, prefigure, from an Old Testament standpoint, the coming death of Jesus Christ. Jill and Jeff tonight read from Isaiah 53. And then we fast forward beyond the Gospels and we come to the epistles in the New Testament, these letters of Paul and others, and what did they do? Well, these letters unpack, they interpret, they explain for us what took place on that first Good Friday in Jerusalem from 9 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon. And tonight what I want to do is zero in on the, uh, just one aspect of the crucifixion of Christ, how the crucifixion of Christ is a picture of, of the incredible mercy. It's an illustration of the incredible mercy of God. And to do that, I want to turn to what Paul says to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2. So if you're following with me in your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading here in, in, in verse 1. A, a, a central passage in, in Paul's letters Ephesians 2, verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. 
Good Friday is the cosmic, I, I, I mean cosmic declaration that the infinite, eternal creator God is a merciful God. What is God's mercy? Well, God's mercy is God's goodness towards those who are in misery and distress. God's grace is God's unmerited favor, so God's mercy is God's unmerited compassion. And because God is merciful, it means his love, his goodness will never ever fail, will never ever stop. And writing to these Ephesians believers, whether they were in Ephesus or, or, or scattered about, whether it was uh, one group or multiple groups, um, people that Paul dearly loved, he says in the first couple of verses some really, really strong things. So for example, in verse 1, he says, apart from Jesus Christ, you were spiritually dead, not sick, but dead. And the implication is dead people can't make themselves alive spiritually. And then in verse 2, he says, apart from Christ, you lived in, in the clutches and in, in the bondage of Satan. It's if you drank his Kool-Aid and drank it and drank it and drank it. Uh, this ruler of the kingdom of, of the air. And then in, in, in verse 3, as if those statements aren't enough, he says, you were by nature children, objects of wrath. Now, I don't know how to say this any other way than to say uh, there is a whole lot of grace in the Old Testament and grace in the New Testament. And there's a whole lot of wrath, God's wrath in the Old Testament and in the New Testament as well. And on Good Friday, it's important for us as we think about God's mercy to think about God's wrath for, God's wrath for a minute. Uh, so our kids, uh, our kids in Sunday school, uh, they draw these cute pictures of the animals that went into the ark two by two. And yet the horrible start of that, horrible part of that story is the thousands, thousands, hundreds of thousands, a million, we don't know, of people that drowned because of God's anger. In the book of Exodus, refusing to submit to the, to the rule of God, the entire Egyptian army wiped out in the Red Sea. And when we come to the Gospels, uh, Jesus, uh, thinking about what's ahead for Jerusalem because Jerusalem has rejected him, weeps as he looks into the future, knowing in 70 AD the Roman army will roll in and completely obliterate. Jerusalem and Israel. Jesus ordained it. In, in, in the book of Revelation, uh, we, are, we are told anyone, anyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. 
And here in our passage in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3, we are told that before we come to Christ, apart from Christ, we were by nature objects of wrath in the sight of a holy God. Now, uh, we go to funerals and uh, people always say, you know, he or she, well, they're, they're in a better place. Really? Do we know that for sure? But then we come to verse 4, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. And we read something that's completely unexpected in light of the direction Paul is going. We read these incredible words. God who is rich in mercy. Rich means overflowing, uh, abundant, unceasing. Made us alive in Christ. How? Well, the answer is Good Friday. The crucifixion of, uh, of Jesus Christ. Christ died in our place for our, 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 our sins. In other words, there was no greater evidence of God's mercy, God's love, God's compassion than Jesus Christ crucified on Good Friday for objects of wrath. Me and you. Last year, Rhonda and I were out in uh, California. We were at an event for a couple of days. I was the final speaker. And, and, and the first speaker was a guy by the name of Francis Chan. And uh, Ron and I will never forget. We've talked about it a bunch. We, we were sitting there listening to, to Francis Chan talk about Jesus in Gethsemane. And, and he, he, he said to us, imagine a son pleading with his father. A picture Jesus in, in Gethsemane, hours before he's crucified, pleading with his father. Dad, is there any other way? Uh, Dad, these people are guilty, uh, undeserving. They have spurned you, rejected you. They're completely disinterested in you, full of hubris, arrogance, and pride. Uh, Dad, I'm innocent. Isn't there uh, another way? Can't you take this cup from me? Please, please, please. And uh, imagine the Father, God the Father looking God the Son in the eyes and saying, Son, there is no other way. There is no other way than the cross, than Good Friday. So it was, was foretold in Isaiah chapter 53 in verse 10, it was the Lord's will to crush him. It was God's plan before the foundation of the world to put his son, Jesus Christ, to death on the cross in our place 
Because in the sight of a holy God, because of our sin, because of our rebellion, we'd become objects of wrath. Now why? Why, why did God do this to his son? Well, Paul tells us here, because God is rich in mercy. He overflows with mercy and love and, and compassion for us. The God of the universe for the likes of you and me, it's incredible. It's a story that's too good to be true. You can't make this kind of stuff up. And God longs to extend the, the grace and the mercy of uh, forgiveness and righteousness and eternal life to all who will turn from their sin and, and say yes by faith to Jesus Christ and believe. So Good Friday is about the death of Christ, but the death of Christ is about the mercy of God. Uh, the mercy of God for, for you and me. And, and, and today, I just kept thinking, I, here I am in my, my office. I'm preparing for this, the messages this weekend. And my office is really comfortable. And the temperature is controlled. And Jesus was hanging on the cross for six hours. And there are no words to adequately describe that. No, no words. But listen to how one woman, how one woman has put it. In the depths of our depravity, Christ died for us. He did not wait for us as persons to get as close as possible through obedience to the law or righteous living. Never once did Jesus say to the Father, hey, this person is close enough, almost in, let's open the door. In the breadth of our separation from God, Christ died for us. He died for the very people who yelled, crucify him. He died for those who ripped his flesh with whips. He, he died for those who slapped him, who spit upon him, who mocked him, uh, who embedded a, a, a crown of thorns in his head. He died for those who humiliated him by, by stripping him. He died for soldiers. The soldiers pounded his nails. He died for the 11, the 11 disciples who scattered man for their lives. And in this one moment in all of history, when humanity could not have been further from God, Christ died for us. He bore the wrath of God in our place for our sins. The Old Testament sacrificial lamb, the lamb of God. But she continues, but Christ died not just for the depths of that generation's depravity, uh, because Jesus prayed in John 17 and hours before he was crucified, my prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through this message. And he knew. He who knew all things died in advance for the most depraved deed I would ever commit. And although I was not present in that crowd that dreadful day, that Good Friday, my sins, all of our sins, most assuredly were. So, so what do we have tonight? What do we have on Good Friday? We have the most 
horrible day in human history. The most wonderful day. Horrible thing, uh, wonderful thing. And when the crowds rejected Jesus, when the, 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 the soldiers tortured Jesus, when Jesus allowed the, the spikes to be driven through his hands, uh, when Jesus cried out from the cross, Father, why have you forsaken me? All those, all of those were acts of mercy. Because as Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, he who is rich in mercy made us alive even when we were dead in our transgressions. It, it is by grace that, that you have been saved. Jesus Christ uh, longs to, uh, to grace you, transform you, to protect you, to make you secure, to bring you to heaven, to f forgive you. Because he is rich in mercy, he died to extend mercy to you. But we don't get there unless we understand our alienation and, and our sin. So as Paul will say later in the book of Titus, in Titus chapter 3 and verse 11, uh, Paul will say he, he saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. And tonight, as you think about Jesus Christ, I want you to understand that Good Friday is about the crucifixion of Christ, but the crucifixion of Christ is about the mercy of Christ. The mercy of God to rescue you, to deliver you, to protect you, to give you a future that is beyond anything you ever thought possible. Because Paul says it right here. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. Let's pray. Father, your word tells us in the Old Testament that surely goodness and mercy will uh, follow us all the days of our lives. And we know that is true because of what you've done for us in Jesus Christ and the wonder of the cross. We marvel at your love and mercy. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.